0: Hello and welcome to Earthcast, a platform for discussions about bridging the resource gap between people and planet. I am Olivia Taylor, or Olivia Earth on the Socials, your host, and I will be interviewing a series of change makers, thinkers, and disruptors, and asking them about their areas of expertise. Together, we will discover fresh perspectives and the most useful levers in society for change. The main question that we will explore is how are trade-offs made between people, planet and profit? More specifically, how do we solve wicked problems and make decisions at the margin? If you would like to hear more from Earthcast, subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Earthcast. Today I'm speaking to Niharika Aleti. Miha is a creative artist and sustainability activist on Instagram. She uses fashion, art, and heritage as a vehicle to bring awareness about sustainability and its importance. Her platform looks to amplify and incorporate Indian heritage to bring inclusivity to the sustainable fashion and environmental movement. She is passionate about using media to amplify social and environmental justice initiatives and BIPOC knowledge. Niha is also the founder and co-creator at TEGA Collective, a sustainable fashion brand that champions Adivasi communities from India and their textile traditions. Thank
1: you so much for joining me.
0: Niha, can you please explain to me the concept of regenerative fashion and what it means to you?
1: Yes, of course. And thank you so much for having me, Olivia. I'm excited to be here and talk a little bit more about this. Uh, for In terms of regenerative fashion, I think to me, it's important to just talk about what regenerative sustainability is to begin with. And when it does come to fashion, I think it's a design philosophy that preaches Um, a better lifestyle of making more improvements to the systems around us and leave the systems better than we found them. So something that's degenerative has a negative impact on the planet. Um, Something that is sustainable is just trying to sustain what is already there. But in terms of being regenerative, I think that's um, the goal for me and the goal for a lot of people in this space is because creating a positive impact people on the planet is more important than ever. Um, We won't be able to just focus on sustaining what's already there. I think it's important to go further than that to actually repair um, everything that's uh, been damaged. So when it comes to regenerative fashion, there's so many avenues you can um, explore, but a lot of it does come down to making sure that everything in the supply chain has a has a reciprocal relationship. So from farm all the way to closet. So when you talk about farming, making sure that you are growing native plants and fibers that are native to the region that you're on and making sure that the soil is sequestering carbon and you're um, growing things in a regenerative way um, all the way to the farmers that you're working with you know do you have a positive and impactful relationship with the people who support you in these supply chains because i, I feel like a lot of focus might be on you know regenerative agriculture is the future but what about the people in the supply chain? I think it's really important to make sure that you have a mutually beneficial relationship with the farmers, the artisans, the garment workers, um, and everyone up until, you know, the closet. Um, So that's sort of what I believe is really important in fashion specifically. And I think this whole concept of regeneration is something that's it's not new. It's being posed as something new, but indigenous cultures around the world have been talking about it for millennia um, and living it. So that's really important to understand. Um, and it's also important to understand that um, we are not dissociated from nature. I think um, that's often what people sort of um, assume. and understanding that we have such an important role to play in our ecosystem can help us create that positive impact. Because the more we try to minimize our impact, you know, you can't minimize yourself so much that you don't exist this earth needs people, people are important. And so that's another thing, I think language is incredibly important, when you are defining what regenerate what it means to be regenerative. Um, We are a part of nature, we're not you know, different from it. So all of these um, concepts are incredibly important, especially in the fashion space. And uh, there is a brand called Oshadi Collective in India that's doing incredible work, um, creating reciprocal relationships with everyone in the supply chain and creating regenerative cotton in their collections. So uh, I think they're definitely uh, people to follow and take inspiration from. Brilliant! Thank you so much for for
0: um, giving that name of of that organisation we should follow, and and also really explaining what it means to understand regenerative fashion. Um, I think a lot of people think of of things that are already damaged as areas of, of of land and society that are too far gone, and this idea of regeneration I find really refreshing, um, and it really it really kind of uh, Gets rid of that eco-fascist idea that humans are the virus, and you know that particularly spread badly mm. during COVID. But Niha, further, as a fashion designer, where do you need to make trade-offs between social and environmental justice and profits? Um, for example, you know when you create a garment, whereas where the material is not obviously unsustainable for either people or planet, you know how do you make that decision whether or not to use it? You know how do you navigate this gray area and Do you make this decision based on gut instinct or do you use a specific
1: sustainability metric? Yeah, and I'm really glad you asked this question because I think a lot of what people um, are looking for is, you know, what is the most sustainable fabric that I can use in my collections? You know, how can I, um, in terms of environmental impact, do the best that I can? And there's always going to be a trade-off no matter what, because you can't do everything on this planet. It's not sustainable for yourself or your business. Um, but for me, what I focus on is na- native fibers that are native to the regions that, um, I, you know, that we're producing in. So for example, in India, there's a lot of indigenous fibers that um, are either unexplored or you know, that a lot of people might not know about. So kadi is an indige- indigenous cotton in India. And if you go further up to the Northeast and the Himalayan regions, there are fibers being made from banana leaves and lotus stems. So I I truly believe that it's important to explore those fibers um, that are native to your lands because that's the most sustainable, um, restoring native biodiversity, I think is the most important thing that we need to do. And it's an incredibly important part of regeneration. Um, so that's something that we often forget because we're constantly focused on metrics, whether it be, you know, how much water does cotton use, how much water does hemp or linen use? Um, and the more we use these fibers, they're going to turn into another cotton. If we keep using, you know, huge amounts of hemp and creating monocultures across the whole planet, you know, it's going to turn into the same thing. So I really believe you're going back to smaller scales and focusing on Indigenous varieties is probably the way to go. Um, so that's what I uh, focus on in terms of figuring out how to navigate uh, this, um, this question.
0: And then, you know, how often are you confronted with greenwashing in this space? I can imagine a lot of people are approaching you now and, and asking you to perhaps Uh, you know, do collaborations with them and work with them, you know, how do you, how do you deal with
1: this in in practice? Yeah. um, For me, I am often confronted with greenwashing in terms of the brands I try to collaborate with, um, or even in terms of just what I've been seeing on, on these platforms. And for me, when it is a collaboration, I, you know, I don't really engage in those types of collaborations. I think it's pretty easy to tell when something's greenwashing and when it's not, um, for me at least. But um, I think in terms of, you know, generally seeing brands on the platform, um, you know, I very often try to look and understand if the brand's intention is marketing or you know, how are they actually going about their practices and engaging in sustainability beyond just their garments, right? So many brands, the way they frame sustainability is, you know, I have this product and this product is sustainable, you know, look at how many, um, look at how much water we've reduced, or, you know, look at the fibers that we are making it out of. But beyond that, you know, what are they doing to truly engage in sustainability beyond just their product? Because, Technically, a product can't be sustainable, right? It's the practices that you're implementing that, you know, that's what sustainability is. Sustainability isn't an item. So it's really important to go and look, you know, how are they treating their workers? Are they creating any sort of reparations to the global South? You know, how much are they focusing on this responsibility? Because that's what truly shows the character of a brand, I feel. So that's sort of how I um, try to, work with the different brands or even just support the different brands that I come across.
0: Thank you so much for the, for breaking that down for us. I often ask myself this question, especially for someone like myself, who's quite active online. You know, what does useful climate activism look like? And I want to know, you know, what what can this look like for individuals? And then more importantly, corporates and government, not all the attention should be on individuals and and you know, what they should, you know, avoiding the plastic straw. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, perhaps individuals can play a role in, in holding corporates and government accountable. But, you know, first of all, I want to know, what does climate activism usefully look like for individuals and corporates? And then further, I want to know, why are BIPOC, Black and Indigenous people of colour, more vulnerable to climate change?
1: Yeah, of course. So for the first question, you know, um, what is climate activism look like and I think it can look many different ways depending on um, you know the individual and I think it's just important to focus on what you're um, really passionate about because that's what you're going to be able to sustain yourself in your daily life you know you don't want to just be very um, you know do like a one-time thing I think activism is important to be recurring throughout your um, throughout your journey and sustainability so for me I think when you talk about individuals there's so many ways we can do it but if I want to talk about fashion specifically um, I think something that's that's not talked about enough is forming true connections with our clothing or even just with the people behind it because it's, what what we've noticed in our generation specifically is a lot of us don't know how clothes, I mean, now we do because it's been brought to light, but we never really knew like where our clothes were coming from. We never really knew where our food was coming from or how much time and effort it took to create any of these things. We were quite, you know, unaware of that. And so really making those connections and understanding I think is what really helps shift the mindsets overall. Um, And something that is very different in, um, for example, India, that's where I'm from, is a lot of clothing creation is extremely accessible there. Most consumers are aware of the the process of creating clothing and they participate in it. So they will go and buy um, different fibers from the weavers um, and they will go to their local tailor and f- figure out what silhouette they want, create it custom made to measure. And, you know, you're supporting your local supply chain and it's all accessible and you're creating pieces that you've literally, you know, co-created. And so those mean a lot to you and you're not going to just throw them away. So really forming intimate connections with different processes is incredibly important And in, Truly framing our mindsets for this, for this activism, I feel. And then in terms of, you know, just individuals, we can do a lot and vote for different bills and policies that do support um, climate activism. In terms of corporations and government, uh, I think there, there's not a lot of focus on reparations to the global south and their waste. I think a lot of people ask, you know. Um, why do these other countries not ban imports from global, from the global north? Because there's so much textile waste or even general waste that is shipped from the global north to countries in the global south to just get rid of it. Um, but I think a question that we never really ask is, you know, why are people in the global north not banning exports, right? I mean, it's, it's so easy to say, uh, you know, why are these people not accepting stuff? But, you know, people... And these countries need to make money and that's all that they, that they have at that moment because of colonization and everything. So it's really important for us to pay reparations. So we really need to clean up our mess in these other countries because they are filled with landfills from the waste of the global North. And it's just, um, it's not fair whatsoever. Um, So those are just a few things uh, that I, I think corporations need to focus on and as well as you know taking care of their own waste um, as well i think the life cycle of a lot of clothes people assume ends with the consumer and corporations just need to be more active in not just throwing away their waste but they're responsible for their waste too just as much as they're responsible for creating the product Um, so those are just a few things that we need to focus on Thank you
0: so much for answering that. I completely agree (laughs) with this concept that that organizations, these corporates keep externalizing their business costs um, on the environment and local communities, particularly those that are most vulnerable and don't have voices to or, or that they have voices, but their voices are not loud and not amplified. And I want to know why is sustainable fashion not being created to be accessible? To, to most people, and you know, how can it be justified as a, as sustainable if it's not affordable? Uh, I live in Cape Town, and a lot of brands are like, oh, we're a, we're a sustainable brand, but the the clothing is triple the price of of something at a at a local retailer, which is affordable to most of the population. Um, surely affordability is a necessary condition of su- of sustainability.
1: Yes, and you know, this is something that's often debated in this space, right? Like what is affordable. And I mean, it's something that's, you know, there's no straight answer to, of course. Um, but I do think it is important to question, you know, why do we think a shirt um, is worth as much as a cup of coffee? Like why they should not be um, priced similarly. Like that, that's, it's pretty clear that um, the labor. Is not being paid fair, be, being paid well. If you know th- that's the case, um, but I think it's really important to buy less and buy well overall. Uh, you know, back in the day, bef- you know, with our parents, they only owned a few dresses, and those dresses were made incredibly well. They would go to their local tailors and get them stitched. You know, participate in that process of creating clothing, and so you know, if if people, you know, want to focus on affordability, I think we need to be able to create a lot of accessibility in countries in the global north. Within different malls, you know, have an on-site tailor or on-site people to upcycle things that you have and create something out of it. Um, be, you know, have fabric that you can just go and get stitched up but you know have it be more accessible price wise and really participate in the process of creating your clothing I think that's something that a lot of people don't think about and another thing is a lot of us have lost skills in terms of knowing how to make clothes knowing how to farm you know just knowing these basic life skills and I think that's you know due to the the nature of the you know everything being industrialized and people not having as much time for things anymore, but really going back to those uh, essential skills and um, things like that, I think are really important and will really help understand a lot of it.
0: I've been following you on social media for quite a long time, and I've been so inspired by your incredibly playful and feminine sense of fashion. How do you combine the frivolity of fashion with the earnestness of social and environmental concerns linked to the industry.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah, I think that's a common thing that people think about when it comes to fashion. I mean, first of all, thank you, very sweet. Um, But yeah, I think I personally love fashion and I think growing up, I never really found it frivolous because you know, it's it's very much art and there's so much that goes into it, right? There's so much that people have to learn and understand to create clothes. The Im- immense knowledge that these artisans and weavers have and skills that they have is so deep and it's often overlooked and, you know, not given the high regard that it deserves. Um, and fashion is truly deeper than ex- aesthetics as well. Um, fashion helps people keep traditions and culture alive. There's a lot of talk within the dynamics of labor and oppression and environmental degradation. So there's a lot about fashion that is, uh, I guess, deeper than the frivolity of it. And that's why I I sort of combine both and talk about it because it's, um, it's very easy to forget about that. Um, and something that I do talk about a lot is the aesthetics of everything. Um, so, you know, in the or in the world in general, right after colonization, um, in India specifically, in a lot of countries, or even in the continent of Africa, um, a lot of people were made to dress like the Western colonizers, and with that, a lot of traditional garments, or even just Um, wanting to wear traditional garments is often sort of went away. And with our generation, you know, we, as much as we want to, we sort of um, gravitate towards Western aesthetics, whether it be, you know, minimal colors, um, different shades of, of beige and just monochromatic layered closets and things like that. That's sort of what we gravitate towards. And Um, what I really like to play with on my page is, you know, how important it is to keep cultural um, elements alive and cultural clothing, because a lot of this clothing has so much meaning, Um, whether it be the bright colors. I mean, these colors were freedom of expression for a lot of communities, BIPOC communities around the world. And they were labeled as cheap and tacky and gaudy. And, you know, it's, it's important to remember that, these colors, you know, kept people's spirits alive and their cultures alive. So I like to talk about aesthetics um, a lot on my page as well. And it's important. It's definitely not frivolous to me.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciate that reminder that the poignant reminder that, you know, fashion really isn't something frivolous and, um, perhaps when done right and when given the respect, absolutely appreciates the earnestness of the social environmental concerns because it respects where the garment came from. So thank you so much for for explaining that in such depth. And before I ask my last question, Niha, I I could honestly chat to you all evening, but I wanted to, I just wanted to say to to the people following, if you'd like to follow some more of of Niha's work, you can follow her on Instagram, at niha eleti n-i-h-a-e-l-e-t-y or you could follow her blog uh, online e-l-e-t-y at niha.com niha thank you so much i have so appreciated your discussion it's been really it's been really humbling for me to speak to you so niha last question of the evening given your expertise what question should i have asked you
1: Yeah, I think um, one question that I've, that I don't see a lot in this space is, um, you know, what sort of connections do you see between sustaining culture and cultural diversity within sustainability? Um, Because so often we focus on uh, different, you know, aspects of environmentalism, whether it be fair wages, as well as um eco-friendly fabrics and so cultural sustainability is often left out of the conversation um especially you know talking about the impacts of colonization and how that has created a lot of the systems that we have today so would love more people to ask me that question
0: thank you for joining me today at earthcast if you enjoyed what you heard please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review Let's chat next episode where I will be asking more creatives and intellectual disruptors about making decisions at the margin. See you next time.